You're listening to the Career Planning and Development Podcast. This is Episode 3, Labor Market and Job Search. My name is Noah Arney, and I'm a career development faculty member at Thompson Rivers University. I record this podcast in Tecumloop State Shikwitmuch within the Shikwitmuchulu. This week, we're talking about labor market and job search. But before we get into it, when you think about jobs, do you think about their broader context? I work in education, and once upon a time I was a high school teacher, but I haven't done that in 14 years. I never left education, though. Education is the environment I prefer to work in and has the problems I like to solve, but the job of being a high school teacher wasn't one I enjoyed. What types of work environment do you like? What types of problems do you like solving? And what jobs are in that environment with similar problems to solve that aren't the job you're already doing or already interested in? Today we're going to talk about labor market research and job boards and job postings and some red flags and a little bit about hidden jobs. So let's start out with labor market research. Now before you start with the labor market, you need to know yourself. What kind of environments do you like? What communities are you part of? How close do you want to be to your family and to your friends? What physical locations are you comfortable being in? What kinds of things do you enjoy doing? Do you want to do those things to make money, or do you want to make money so that you can do those things? That's the activities, communities, and interests portion. Once you can answer all of those questions, you're well on your way to figuring out what kinds of jobs you're interested in, and so what kinds of industries you're interested in. It helps you realize the type of work you want to do and where you want to do it. So the labor market research is finding out what's out there. Finding out industries or careers and occupations, or what trends there are in the workforce, jobs that have new openings frequently or not frequently, what kinds of jobs are new, And the fastest way to begin breaking things down, because there's a lot of things out there, is to start by looking at what sector you're in. Now, there's a couple ways of breaking this down. The first one is one of the methods that the government of Canada uses, which is breaking jobs into a couple different sectors, and there are nine of them here. Business, finance, and administration, natural and applied sciences, And that includes computing, so essentially you can think about it as the sciences that use um, labs. Health occupations, here's a big one, education, law, and social, community, and government services. It's a lot of stuff all grouped there. Art, culture, recreation, and sport, sales and service, trades, transport, and equipment operators, natural resources, agricultural and related production, and manufacturing and utilities. Now, if you noticed that second last one there, natural resources, agricultural and related production, includes a lot of the sciences that are more outdoors, so natural resource science is included in that one. Or, instead of looking at the sector, you might be more interested in looking at it from an industry perspective, and the government breaks it down this way as well sometimes, and it breaks things into goods-producing industries, or service-producing industries. So the kind that you're interested in is really going to depend on what direction you want to go in. But in the goods-producing industries, there's things like forestry, logging, utilities, mining, oil and gas, construction, and the biggest one, of course, is manufacturing. On the other side, you've got the service industries. So that's going to include things like management and trades, uh, but it's also going to include arts and entertainment and recreation, real estate, 
and rental and leasing. And if you notice, now that's been pulled completely out of the business category. Information and cultural industries, which interestingly enough includes a lot of the IT departments. Other services, which is sort of their catch-all for anything that isn't a SERP that isn't categorized under the rest of it. Finance and insurance, transportation and warehousing, administrative support, waste management, accommodation and food services, professional, scientific, and technical services. This is where we've got a big distinction from the previous one. Previously, we had computing linked together with the other sciences. Now they're in separate areas. Public administration, educational services, and health care and social assistance. And if you notice, social assistance has moved from being categorized with the education and is now categorized with health care. So these changes also help you understand, okay, the job I want is in this sector and in this industry. But maybe you want to focus instead on the field of study that you're currently in. And a lot of people who are in university like to do it this way. And in that case, we break it down a little bit differently. We've got the fine and applied arts, the humanities and related fields, and if you notice those two things are separate here. Then we've got social sciences and related fields. All three of those together make up almost the entirety of the Bachelor of Arts programs. Then we've got commerce management and business administration, where we've sort of taken all of the business programs and they're all in that same category there. Then we've got the sciences broken out into agricultural, biological, nutritional, and food sciences, or engineering and applied sciences, or applied science technologies and trades, or mathematics, computing, and physical sciences. So we've got a lot of different categories that fall under the Bachelor of Science or the Bachelor of Engineering. Then we've got all of the health professions and related technologies grouped together, and we've got education recreational services, and counseling services all grouped together. Now, that's three different ways to categorize the kind of thing you're interested in. And once you know the broad grouping, and the sector, the industry, the field, then you start looking at job titles. And you'll start noticing that some job titles align with sector, some align with industry, and some align with field. And it's a little different sometimes where that alignment is going to happen. And so it's important to have a good understanding of what area you're looking for. You can find out a lot of the information about this in a couple different places. So the first one I recommend is if you're curious about industry classification, take a look at the North American industry classification system. Um, the current one that I use is from 2017 version 3.0. Uh, it's also called NAICS. Next up is the Career Handbook, and I use this a lot with students. The Career Handbook, um, the one that I used to use was 2016. I believe there's a new one out now, but that's based on the National Occupational Classification, and it really helps to understand job titles and how job titles connect with other job titles and how things are grouped together. And finally, I'm a big fan of using the World Economic Forum reports to get an idea of what's happening and what's changing. So a lot of the things that are changing are the increased demand for jobs around data and computing and marketing and project management and accountants. And even mid-level managers are on their way back in. On the other hand, some roles are decreasing. So those are ones that have been replaced mostly by automation or partial automation. 
roles where fewer people can do the work that was done by more people in the past. So things like data entry, a lot of factory or mill jobs, bookkeepers. And that's an interesting one because if you noticed, I mentioned accountants on the increasing demand side. Because the work is still there, people still need to do the work of making sure that their financials are in order in a business. It's being done at a more complex level than it was before. Before we move on from talking about industries though, um, I want to talk briefly about COVID. Now COVID showed how quickly shocks hit various industries and how quickly they bounced back. A lot of industries that took longer to recover relied on lower paid employees, and as more people left the workforce, they were able the people who remained were able to move into more complex jobs or more, jobs more aligned with their interests. So agriculture, accommodation, and food services were hit especially hard, but construction, retail, and transportation and re- warehousing also took a long time to recover. On the other hand, resources jobs, service administration, wholesale trade, finance, and STEM jobs recovered very, very quickly. Now, some of that comes down to the kind of shock it was, but remember, when there's a shock to the system, things are going to change, and you need to know what kinds of shock will affect the industry or the sector that you are interested in. I'm going to talk briefly about job boards now. So not all job boards are created equal. Uh, Job boards have lots of uses, including researching roles to become a better candidate. So there's a bunch of different job boards you can have access to. If you're part of university, you probably have access to a job board offered by the career services there. But there's also um, generalized job boards. Now, these are the ones that a lot of people go to often. Things like Indeed or LinkedIn is becoming a big one here. Google for a while was, but they're not as big anymore. However, generally, the information there is not as good as the information when it's actually on a company website. So usually what we say is, when you find a job on one of these job boards, then go over to the website for the organization and figure out whether or not that job is posted there as well, and also pay attention to any differences between them. Then there may also be niche job boards. These are ones that are specific to the industry, sector, field, or profession. Now that's important, and that's why I had you think about your industry first, because identifying that is going to make it a little bit easier to find these job boards that are specific to your field. In addition to the ones that I've mentioned already, I highly recommend that you try using uh, the Canadian government-run job board called JobBank, which is jobbank.gc.ca, or, being in BC, my personal favorite is the BC government-run one, which is from WorkBC, um, and that one is fantastic. It gives you some great ability to figure out um, jobs based on region or sector or industry or education requirement, and it even lets you cut out any jobs that didn't list a salary range. The next thing you'll be doing is looking at the actual job postings. When you're doing this, what you'll be doing is you'll be looking both for what you have as well as what you don't have. Most job postings are based on a pretty standardized structure. There's a job title, a company overview, key responsibilities or accountabilities, qualifications, and application instructions. Now the job title can be a little bit misleading. Um, A coordinator at one organization might be management level and at somewhere else it might be a frontline level. The duties, supervision roles, and reporting structure are going to give you a lot more information about it. The company overview section 
explains a bit about the company and its culture and its values, but this is the best face of the company. It's what they want the potential candidates to see. Uh, it might include business goals or organizational focus or values, but essentially what they're doing is they're trying to make you think about them in a certain way and understand their company culture in a certain way. And that doesn't mean it is, in fact, the way everybody at that organization feels or acts or believes, but rather it's what they want. Now, that's an important distinction because quite often an organization tries to change their culture or introduce something new into their culture. And this is one of the ways that they do it because this attracts candidates who match those kind of values. But their current employees don't match those values. And that's where you get some interesting interplay. Key accountabilities is the most important section. It lists what the position does. Generally, they're in order of importance. It might give details or it might be general, and you don't need to be able to do everything on it, but you should be able to do most of it. Generally, I tell students that if you're not at 50% of their accountabilities, you probably won't get an interview. If you're above 75%, you're definitely one of their candidates. Qualifications is similar, uh, and it lists the required skills or abilities of the successful candidates. Now, some items are non-negotiable, and those are generally listed at the top of the list. And you'll want to be specific about addressing those in your cover letters. You're going to look for wherever the qualifications link to the accountabilities, and that's where you really need to shine. So if something shows up in the qualification and in the accountability, you know that they're really, really serious about that one. Even if it's not one of the first three items on the list, because it was on both lists, you know that it was incredibly important. Finally is the application instructions, or how I like to refer to it, the easiest way for them to shorten the list of applicants. Make sure you read those instructions carefully because this is a test. This is a test of how well you follow instructions and of your attention to detail. You need to make a note of things like when to apply by, where to apply, what formats are accepted, whether you need a sample of your work or transcripts or anything else. And a lot of candidates get eliminated simply by not following instructions, because if I have a job that I need a high attention to detail for, I'm going to use this as a way of determining whether or not my candidates have a high attention to detail, because if they do, then they will follow these instructions. And if they do not, then they won't follow the instructions. The best way I find for people to figure out whether or not they should apply for a job is a basic T-chart. You list all of the qualifications and accountabilities on the left side of it, and on the right-hand side you write down a specific example of how you meet that qualification or have the experience with that accountability. Even better is if you don't have the specifics about it, write down how you're trying to get there. Because this may help if you're just kind of barely on the fence, and it will help you to figure out how to write your cover letter to show that you don't have that, but you're on your way there. Then you're going to analyze all of the sections and figure out the top six must-haves. And you'll reflect on what work or volunteer or school experiences you have that can meet those needs and where you currently have any gaps. And if the things that you have that they're looking for are those top ones, you're in luck. If the things that you have that they're looking for are not the top ones, you may have a difficult time with that application. Next, I'm going to talk very briefly about some red flags. So a big one is around candidate or new hire fees. Now, if they're expecting you to pay for 
training materials or software, or if they're asking you to do unpaid training shifts, that's going to be your biggest red flag. Those are going to be ones that you really want to move away from very quickly. Other ones are if they're providing you money to pass to a third party or use of your personal bank account for business work. Now there's a couple that are a little less big, but still things to pay attention to. So things like way too good to be true or unprofessional emails or incredibly vague job requirements or requesting confidential information before hiring you. Next up is hidden jobs. So a hidden job is a job that isn't posted on a publicly accessible job board. This is pretty common. Many employers look to people they have worked with or known or been referred by a trust or trusted source rather than applications from total strangers. The main things here are that these aren't hidden in the way that they are jobs that nobody can see, but they're jobs that are being directed to someone. This is why it's so important to have a strong personal network within your industry, because that can help uncover some of the connections to these hidden jobs. So some things to be looking at are um, making sure that you've got your connections built in with organizations around the kind of work you're wanting to do. Knowing who the different potential employers in your area are, what they do, what the core work of the company is, who speaks for the organization, what kind of work do you want to do in it, identify competitors to them, keep up to date on news stories and current events, and that's going to make it possible for you to then network with the people who are at these organizations and talk with them. And eventually, you may get an invite from someone saying, hey, we've got a job opening coming up, and I think you might be really good at it. I'd like you to send me a copy of your resume. So the first steps you've got to accessing those is talk with people in your network about where they work and how they typically recruit people or specifically about the kind of work-related tasks you'd like to do. Then research some competitors to the, those companies and finally look up some news stories related to those different organizations. That's going to help you begin getting that understanding of the labor market, understanding of these organizations, and when and where they do their job posting, whether or not that's done directly through hidden jobs or whether that's done more broadly through posted jobs. All right. Bringing that all together, the labor market search and the job posting analysis, it's all about defining your goal industry or field, finding a job posting that's relevant to you and your goals and your experience. Analyzing it to think about what the employer means by the different things, what their requirements are, and finding job postings not just for where you are right now, but for where you'd like to be reflecting on what work or volunteer or school experiences you can use to meet those employers' needs and where you currently have some gaps. It's figuring out how to get from job A to job B within the same field or changing fields or accessing a field. If you want to know more, you should meet with someone in your target industry or sector or field and ask them how they got there. That's called an informational interview and we'll talk more about that in a couple weeks. Then you'll want to find out more about open events that happen in your target industry. These could be in-person or online networking events. And finally, start reading the industry publications for your target industry or sector or field. This will help you research what's happening, what's changing, and what's new. So to sum up what we talked about today, 
Today we talked about labor market, what your sector is, your industry, and your field, and how you can move from that into beginning to look at jobs, and how those jobs connect together to form your career. The question that I want to leave you with today is what is your sector or industry or field and how important is it that you work in the specific job you had in mind versus a job within that sector or industry or field? That's going to tell you just how flexible you are as you go through a work search. Thanks for listening. This has been Noah Arney with the Career Planning and Development Podcast. For more information or to contact me, go to careertheory.trubox.ca. This podcast is hosted by Thompson Rivers University and is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike license. Music for this podcast is A Life I Believe by John Worthy and the Benz. Until next time, I wish you well. Hey mama, it's been a while, but I think I finally see This life ain't about the thrills or the ways of society Everybody says I should be I just want to be